You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Chuck Marone. Welcome back to the Strong Towns Podcast. Everybody knows about Amazon HQ2. And we all saw the first round. I think a lot of us kind of retched inside with some of the things that were proposed. We've talked about it here many times. But now the final 25 cities are out. And we're seeing some kind of crazy things happen. I was contacted a little while back by our friend Richard Florida, who said, would you be interested in joining with some prominent people to actually raise some concerns about this? And I said, of course I would. I've got Richard on the phone today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, All's good here. Talk a little bit about your concerns with Amazon. I love the quote that you gave where you said, I saw New York doing this. And I thought, why in the world would New York have to do subsidies? Yeah, I mean, I think this is what really disturbed me when I saw the list of finalists. The list of finalists, in many ways, doesn't make sense. There's probably a handful of places in there that look like actual headquarters finalist cities, and then a bunch of other places that something might look random. I don't think it's random. I actually think Amazon had a reason for doing this whole thing, and it's it's collecting information to build the biggest site selection database across U.S. and Canadian cities, and, and probably for these finalists has something in mind, you know, while New York and DC and Boston and maybe Toronto and Chicago look like headquarters cities, some of these other places, you know, what better place to put your self-driving robotic car lab than Pittsburgh? What better place than Columbus and Indianapolis to put transportation logistics hub? What better place to put your Latin American uh, headquarters than Miami? So we could go on. Yeah, it really struck me, you know, when a red state governor hands out a billion or a few billion dollars to Foxconn, people get vexed. And when when Pence and Trump hand over a bunch of money to Carrier, people get vexed. But here we have mayors that I really admire, you know, Bill de Blasio, who mentioned in New York, Eric Garcetti, who Lord, I hope he runs for president in LA, Rahm Emanuel in Chicago, Muriel Bowser in DC, my great friend, Bill Peduto in Pittsburgh. In a way, most, all of them lining up for this competition and, you know, being pushed there by, you know, former governors like Chris Christie in New Jersey and then Larry Hogan in Maryland, you know, backing up the dump truck full of five to seven billions of dollars of our taxpayer money to give to arguably the most highly valued company in the world, a company that just made $19 billion in its last quarter, led by the world's richest man. And we, the taxpayers, are going to subsidize them. So something smelled really wrong with that. You know, that's what motivated me to kind of speak up. This has been a theory for a long time, but to me, it's, it's been kind of even all the way back to Jane Jacobs, kind of like a driving sense of economic development that if you are a successful city, if you have a good workforce, if you have a dynamic economy, if you have people who want to be there, you in a sense don't have to have subsidies. You're the place people want to be. Is that breaking down here or is Amazon some kind of exception to that? I think it is breaking down. One thing is, you know, I'm on the board of Toronto Global. So that's the group to put together the Amazon bid for Toronto. And and I advised me and Joel Kotkin together were asked by Kansas City to help them with some data and some advising. So I was in the middle of this, certainly in Toronto and Kansas City. But in Toronto, where I was on the board, I said, compete on the merits, compete on your strengths. You're a big league city. Don't give any incentives. And what was interesting is 
I don't think people even needed to listen to me. They just said, we're not going to give incentives. We're going to compete on the merits. We'll develop a, you know, a better talent pool. We'll up our immigration. We'll invest in our universities. If Amazon wants to come here and be a partner with us, they're welcome. And if not, they should go somewhere else. So I think that stipulation is absolutely right. What I see happening in the United States, and, and I think this is very much related to the rise of Trump, but in a, in a different way. You know, if we had a federal government that helped cities, if we had a federal government that invested in transport and affordable housing, people wouldn't be going bananas to grab Amazon. But I think many of these cities think, well, how else am I going to create 50,000 jobs? And these otherwise smart and progressive mayors are kind of losing their more. And so I think they know better. I think these mayors know better. Certainly, having talked to some of the economic developers, I know they know better. But Amazon is playing everybody for a fiddle. This auction process, first the 238 and now the finalists, you know, you, you look at that list and you say, how could Amazon have even played this any better? My hunch is that this thing is going to go to Washington, D.C., likely. Bezos has a $23 million house there. Well, he owns the Washington Post. It's the nation's capital. Maybe it'll go to New York. Maybe it'll go to Boston. But you look at the list. There are three jurisdictions, Northern Maryland, Montgomery County, I mean, Maryland, Montgomery County, Northern Virginia, and Washington, D.C. itself. And then two in New York, New York City and Newark. It's almost as like if you had that list and you go, okay, so they'll play Chicago and L.A. and New York and Washington and Indianapolis and Columbus against and Toronto against one another. And then when they decide, oh, we really want to be in Washington or New York, they'll play Newark and New York City or more likely Montgomery County, Northern Virginia and Washington, D.C. of one another. So, yeah, I think Amazon is manipulating this. By the way, Chuck, I think Amazon's going to have hell to pay. And that's why, why I hold out hope of hitting the reset button here. Amazon is already not a beloved company. There are already people making noise about this is a monopolistic, anti-competitive company. When you go down this road and people start to see this more, that we are now, in effect, going to subsidize the world's most fastest growing, most affluent company. It's going to be a trillion dollar company, the world's wealthiest man. And then, you know, when the decision's made and one of these places is holding the bag and the bill. And, and Bezos is listening to the mayor and the, you know, the counselors and the economic developers saying, you're really welcome here. There's going to be hell to pay. People in that city are going to be loaded for bear. They're going to be really unhappy. And why would Amazon want to put itself through that? And why would it want to, in a way, fiscally bankrupt or fiscally hamstring its new headquarters city? Wouldn't it want that city to be on good fiscal ground? Why would it want to take all the money and run? It's going to drive up housing prices. It's going to put pressure on wage rates. It's going to put pressure on transit. It's going to put pressure on local services. And yet you're taking billions from that city. To my mind, none of this makes any good sense. And that's why I think it's time to hit the reset button. Is this a situation where the winner's the loser? To me, there's a political strategy here. And I'm not a political kind of guy, but standing back and looking at this, there's got to be some mayor in one of these places who stands up and says, like, look, we're not going to do this, and then actually has a beneficial political outcome for that. You know, I agree with you that if an Eric Garcetti, who is a progressive mayor of Los Angeles, or a Bill de Blasio, or John Hickenlooper, the governor of Colorado, or better yet, John Hickenlooper and John Kasich, a bipartisan group of governors said, or, or mayors, just said, this is nuts. You know, Kasich and Hickenlooper have been talking about bipartisan strategies for lots of things in the wake of our political balkanization. I think it's a winner. And, and that was the motivation behind the letter. You know, what, what I thought was no one's standing up. These mayors are being led down a primrose path. Someone's got to 
say what needs to be said, not thinking to derail this. I actually think this can be a very good thing. I'm an Amazon Prime member. I probably spend more of my disposable income with Amazon than any other company on the planet. I don't think Amazon's evil. I think Amazon can be a force for good. I think they helped create urban development in Seattle until things got bad and then they decided to leave. But I think if we hit the reset button and if these mayors, you know, that's what I don't understand. These mayors can have a spine. They can stand up and say just what you said. We have a great city. We welcome you here. But we want you as a partner in our our future. We don't want you as this extracted machine. We want you as part of our strategy to build a great city. You're coming here for the long run. You're going to be a corporate urban citizen here for a long time. So that's what the spirit of the letter was. What really surprised me, you know, because look, where else are you going to go? You can't write the letter to Bezos. You can't write it to Trump. Trump will throw more billions at them. Who can you write it to? The 20 mayors, governors, and community leaders. My hope, when I circulated it to a few people I know, everyone was like, well, we don't know if this will stop it. And we don't even know if mayors will sign a non-aggression pact. And some of the people who signed it actually like incentives within reason. Like, I don't want to say they're crazy, but everyone thought this was getting out of hand. This was too much money going to a private company. And moreover, that it opened up a Pandora's box, which was going to encourage more companies to do this. I was amazed at how many people signed up and how many people signed up. I did this over the course of like a weekend and how many people signed up and said, we're on board. We don't know if it'll work. Maybe we don't think it's going to work. Maybe we don't think these mayors will have a backbone, but my hope is they will. My hope is they'll see the letter. They'll see the eminent names. They'll see that it's not just me and you. I mean, it's surrounded by some of the greatest economists and political scientists and economic developers and economic advisors on the planet, both Democrat and Republican, liberal and conservative, hopefully they'll see that letter. And by the way, you know, one of the things that really heartened me is now I see not only newspaper stories, but there was a major editorial in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, editorial, editorial page by the board of editors that said, this is nuts for Pittsburgh to go down this road and incentives and keep it private, not make it public. What I'd like to see is pressure get brought and not to kill this thing, to hit the, like I said, hit the reset button, turn it for something that's careening out of control. That's something that could be good. And then let me, let me say it this way. This Amazon HQ2 will either be the model of how not to do economic development, any disaster for cities and the winning city, and I believe for Amazon. Alternatively, it could be the model for how to do economic development. It could be a model of a big company in a city and or cities partnering together to do everything we know is the right way to do more inclusive and sustainable economic development. And I'm going to use every little bit of platform I have to try to push it in that latter direction. There are dozens of prominent economists and others who have signed on to this. There's also been over 1,200 people the last time I checked that signed on in support of it. If you would like to be part of this petition effort, we're going to post it on our website. You can go to the show notes for this brief podcast and sign up and share it with others too. We're trying to bolster the conversation for people to actually have the courage to take that time out. I think that's what we're trying to do here, right? You know, there are a couple of mayors who've spoken out about this in other cities. There are a couple of people in the Congress, like this guy, Ro Khanna from the Bay Area. I think the next step might be, you know, talk to your mayor, talk to your congressperson, get them to sign on, bring a little bit of additional political pressure, because I believe a large group, maybe not every mayor, but a large group of those mayors knows in their heart and soul and in the back of the mind what the right thing to do is. And they know there's a better way out. I think I agree with you, Chuck. The ambitious ones know that if they stand up and be counted on this one, it could be the backbone of a progressive political campaign. So so let's hope. Let's hope 
all we need is one or two. I don't think 20 are going to stand up, but if one or two people from these cities of stature, a mayor like de Blasio or Garcetti or Emmanuel or Muriel Bowser, a governor like Hickenlooper stood up, boy, it would mean a lot to our economic future and the future of economic and urban development. Well, and it does take that one, you know, voice with courage to start a different pattern. I envision a world, and, and maybe I'm crazy, but I envision a world where in the future, it just won't be publicly acceptable to do this. The populations that would vote for you as the mayor would say, you're not going to sell us out in this way. Let's hope, because if this keeps going down this path, I think we're going to be in a situation of giving out more billions. This is going to be the bellwether. Either we hit the reset button on this one, or we're going to be in a world where handouts... Now, think about it. We're going to have a populist in our presidency in a Republican-controlled Congress that likes to give away money to companies and tax cuts to companies. Worse yet, we're now going to say our progressive, most liberal, most blue cities are giving away as much or more. Look, something's wrong. We got to hit the reset button. We got to do this right. Instead of making it the model of what not to do, make it the model, just as you said, of how to do economic and urban development the right way. That was Richard Florida. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for your leadership and for, uh, you know, connecting people on this issue. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. Thanks so much for having me. You take care. So nice to talk to you. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Keep doing what you can to build strong towns. Take care. Taking risk is a necessity for becoming rich. It's also a necessity to go bankrupt. Bill, 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 Bill. That's a story. They know that America's one big pothole right now. Just to echo what you said, there are no silver bullet solutions. Chuck Marone, this has been fascinating. Who made this city? The window is not always open, but if nobody's pushing, then once the window opens, there'll be no chance to go through. I like you. I like your vision of the, of the world. The United Nations Earth Summit, Agenda 21. Yeah.